Welcome back to Yin and Yang, the podcast. This is episode 53. That number may change based on how I I, uh, put these all out, but it's around 53. Um, And I'm here with a musician, activist, James Huang. Yay! Yay! Um, A.K.A. known as uh, uh, Strike Three, uh, artist Strike okay. Three on um, it's the it's the third strike on his Instagram handle. Check out his stuff. He's making good music. His recent uh, single dropped, Ninety Nine Nights. It's fire. I like it. Um, Appreciate it, brother. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, so yeah, so basically, yeah. As I mentioned before, we had James and I had talked. Um, uh, recently and we connected basically i mean james uh so because both of us are named james how, how are we gonna dan how, how should we do this am i going to just be young then i guess you could be young <laughs> yeah uh, just call me young then for this podcast <laughs> yeah. even though i'm not the youngest but uh, i'll be young i mean another yeah. way you can also just call me strike too that strike too. oh yeah we yeah. can call him strike you want to be called strike okay i'll call you strike then i'll be james so Strike, I know from um, basically, yeah, uh, Strike, do you want to share like how, how we got connected? I mean, honestly, I think uh, it was pretty, post, totally online, right? Because I knew your sister and then your sister told us to follow you on Instagram. I checked out your videos, especially the one about the AMA for your film festival. Cool. And then I, yeah, and I hit you up on that. I thought it was interesting, and then we went from there. Yeah, yeah, and we connected. Uh, my sister does some teaching, and uh, James is, uh, or Strike is, is one of the students. And yeah, so we connected. I listened to his stuff. I thought it was like, oh, it's, it's, it's like he's uh, putting out work, and he's being creative. And uh, we start chatting also about um, Asian identity, and I think that, uh, one thing that we really connected on was uh, something that we both are passionate about is having more positive representation in the media, whether it be uh, film, TV, music, or even politics. I think it's really important for us to have you know, our voices out there and also <clears throat> to support the movements that we like to support. One, one movement that we've talked about before is They Can't Burn Us All, which is led by William Hammond. Uh, China Mac, which we'll talk about. Uh, but yeah, so I guess one thing I like to start with any new guest is basically, yeah, get a little bit about your background, James, uh, Strike, and to see, like, you know, get to know you a little bit more. Like, uh, can you share, like, where you grew up? Yeah. So I grew up in the Bay Area, obviously, uh, Fremont. And so do you want me to talk about like my upbringing as a child or how it ties into my music yeah sure yeah whatever you want to talk about and and also just to, you know if if you ever if there's anything that you feel like you can't really touch on or you don't you're not comfortable talking about just feel free to let us know we're definitely like we'll pivot and switch topics so so we just try to keep it nice and easy yeah whatever you want to talk about yeah all right so um yeah i grew up in fremont 
And I think it's a really interesting culture because Fremont is really like this melting pot between Asian culture, the first gen, and also American culture. And like, I feel like I've always been in the forefront of that because starting from elementary school, I was sent to a private school. And that private school, it was, um, I mean, there was like Asians, but there's also a lot of whites, especially going into high school. I'm in like a majority white high school now, private Catholic school, Archbishop Midi. And it's given me a really interesting take, both like for my music and from my activism stance, because I feel like every day my friends and I, we confront this. Really, it's like um, it's like a sliding between two cultures and two worlds. Yeah. Mm. Like when you say two worlds, you mean like American and Asian or? Yeah, we're at like the forefront of this new Asian American identity and a culture. So that's where I'm, I'm at. Because I'm from the Bay, but I also like, like, we also think that we're from more. You know what I'm saying? Mm. For, so, so, for, so when you, when you say like, uh, when you claim like a hometown or claim a culture, what would you, like, like you, you, sometimes people ask, oh, where are you from and stuff like that. What, what do you claim, I guess? Yeah, Fremont all the way. <laughs> this is where I grew up. This is where my culture is. And, um, as a kid, I spent a lot of time in San Francisco, too, with my sister. But, like, so I grew up with my grandparents mostly because my parents were out of town. Well, not out of town, but, like, you know, always out working. And I was raised by my grandparents. I'm really, like, the older kids in my after school or after school, and we'd be hanging out in that. And that also gave me a new perspective because, like, I mean, more so than other kids because I was more influenced by this in-between, you know. I was really influenced by, like, the older kids and what they made out of the combination of an Asian and American identity. Yeah. Mm. So what, what do you think is different about uh, the new Asian American identity that, that you are a part of versus um, the older generation? As we're talking about like the Asian American culture, I think yeah. since we were being ra- we're raised on like this internet culture, you know, it has, I mean, it has its benefits and it has its problems. I'm not going to say it's one way or the other because it's really, um, like it's nuanced, you know, we grew up with access to on one hand, all these resources, you know, we could get really our voices heard just like how I met you. Right. I wouldn't have met you without this new culture of internet, but what differentiated it is that we had to like find our own way in the world in a way it broke our bubble because we, we had to, we grew up in a society where like everything is mass media. And the fact that we were not represented in mass media made us, put us in this almost um, in-between state where we had to find our own values. Do we define ourselves to the values of our parents or the people we choose to like online? And uh, you guys can talk about, cause I'm also curious about how you guys grew up. Cause again, I wasn't born in that culture and we can compare there, right? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the Bay Area too, but like a much different time than your generation. Um, I grew up in the infancy of the internet, so I grew up in the in the nineties. I went to school late nineties, early two thousands, and then mm-hmm. um, so I was in my family since my sister's you know six years older than me, and my brother's five. I mean, they were you know they they kind of learned a little bit of the tech stuff, but. I was usually the one teaching like the parents how to like get connected and troubleshooting stuff. Um, so yeah, 
like, but then when I went to college and like, we had like landlines and high speed internet, I was like, it blew my mind. I was like, whoa, I, instead of spending an hour for one song, I could download like a whole album and less than like 30 in like, in like 10 minutes. That was amazing to me, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, so basically that's when I started, I personally got really into music around that time because, uh. Yeah, it was thanks to like you know stuff like uh, what was it Napster at the time, and and uh, mm-hmm. this was way before Spotify. Um, we had like they had these torrent things where we could download movies, and then um, yeah. So uh, I think for me growing up, uh, growing up in Milpitas, I was fortunate in that I f- I feel fortunate in growing up in a very um, you know. It wasn't such a big deal that I was. It, it wasn't like uh, if you were white or black, then you would be the minority. But I was Asian, so I grew up in a Asian majority community, right? Yeah. Especially my high school, um, there were you know white people, black people. It was, it was diverse. A lot of South uh, East Asians um, and Filipinos, Pacific Islanders. So it was it was good in that sense. So stuff that I would come across when with like bullies and stuff was more so like, you know, oh like oh you're a nerd or um you're weird or you're emo, something like that, versus mm. like my race, you know? Yeah. Um so I, I felt fortunate that it wasn't until I got to college in, in UC San Diego where the ratio, you know, it was still the high number of Asians, but the ratio is, you know, there's a lot more white people. And then I came across kind of like dating culture, um, where the date, it seemed like some of the girl, Asian girls that I was, I was interested in college at the time, they were, they, they didn't like to date Asian guys, you know, uh, they mm-hmm. were into white dudes. So when I came across that, that was a big shock to me kind of. And I, I was, I was just like, Oh, whoa. And that kind of helped trigger maybe a little bit of my, identity as an asian american something that i became more proud of as the years went on and um basically uh dan's wife put had put on a uh show at 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 that school and it was an the first asian american uh theater festival and yeah so that was really uh, and also i got really into asian film around that time so for me i think just seemed really cool shit coming from Asia. And like, also I was like super into anime in high school, Evangelion. Yeah. And, and seeing like really great stuff coming out of Asia. I'm like, well, you know, why in college I got the sense of like, oh, there was this other, um, you know, there's a better culture. I, I was trying to be an actor in, in college and it's hard for me to get roles. Um, yeah. And I was just like, what's going on here? Um, am I, uh, maybe I'm a bad actor. Yeah, and it's true. I, I was still developing my craft as an actor at the time. And I, I um, but I would just, just see like, but then when I, when there was that Asian American theater festival, I heard like there was some, some grumblings from some of the other actors, some of the white or some of the other uh, white people in the department saying, oh, there's no like, yeah, it's like there's no yeah. there's no white theater festival. There's no mm. black theater festival. <laughs> you know, like I mean, so yeah. I think this is what really lies at the key. I think of um, what I was talking about earlier. So you said that when you were in college, you touched on this like you know Asian culture, right? Like K-pop and that film and everything coming out of Asia, which is great. 
Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. my generation, personally, I, I was raised off like J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar and like, you know, Kanye West, because those were the closest things that we had as like role models, you know, as a mm. minority in uh, yeah. America. And I think that that's not a bad thing because it really shapes like our way of, um, you know, life too and like how we look at the world. But I was talking to Will about this. What we quickly realized is that people like China Mac, you know, like people that grew up as Asian Americans with our very specific struggles, we don't have a lot of those kinds of people. We, mm. we have Asians and we have Americans. But what's lacking for a lot of the representation in my generation is Asian Americans. And that ties also into what I'm trying to do with my music and my movement, which we can talk on later. I'm working on a youth movement right now called Gen AZN with the kids in my area. And we're really trying to, you know, transform this media and bring awareness to exactly what you were talking about. You know, I think like what you also were saying about, you know, these Asian girls only dating white dudes, right? We, it also stems from a like, it hasn't gone away. I I just want to emphasize that because there's this white worshiping. Yeah, there's this, the problem is when you don't have pride in your own culture or you feel like you have to run away to something else, you like you worship one while putting the other down, and that's what concerns uh, us the most. You know, the white worshiping in our cultures, and what what we aim to do to combat that is not focused on that. You know, like yes, we need to fix these things like sexualizing Asian women and you know, like just treating Asians, men and women alike like second class citizens in all ways, from you know politics to relationships to representation, entertainment. And that stems from celebrating diversity in our communities. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm very curious that, like, so uh, I went. We Dan and I went to high school many years ago, and so so you, that's it's kind of surprising to also hear the same sentiment. You know, 2020, whatever. Um, yeah. And. Yeah, I, I mean, we can skip around, but uh, one 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 topic that I had I wanted to touch on was like high school life now in America as an Asian as an Asian kid growing up in America. So you said you grew up in mostly so your your demographic that area is mo- this high school you go to is mostly white, yeah. Yeah, fifty percent okay. about about fifty okay. percent. Yeah, and then the other the other fifty has got a mix of like Asian, Hispanic, Latinos. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, even at your school, you you do feel a sense that whites on top, Asians are second class citizens, even now. Not in my school. Not at your school. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm fortunate enough in my school to, I think everyone gets a chance to define themselves in my school. And while we have, obviously, there's still racism, you know, because it's it's very easy to bring diversity as a figurehead, as I was saying in the call with you earlier. But the fact is that when there's, when there's cultural imperialism, as one of my teachers likes to put it, there's always going to be instances of racism. And that's not like, you know, picking on microaggressions. That's just like critical race theory and the nature of putting one culture down and bringing the other up. In my school, it's not so bad, but I definitely have seen my friends who grew up in like not so diverse, diverse schools suffering the exact same thing that you did. 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Strike, I mean, with the Asian-American identity that um, 
right now, um, do you, do you differentiate between the Asian Asian cultures, or is Asian American just like everything Asian and American? Like, are you all Chinese Americans, Asian Americans, Japanese Americans, all Asian Americans, or is there some differentiation between the different cultures within the Asian American population? Mm. So, I like to think of it as a healthy balance between taking pride in where you come from, while also having the awareness that you are something novel, and that novelty is what we—it's what we share. You know, we're all Asian American, and that's what brings us together. We differentiate, obviously, be- between like yeah, Japanese American, Chinese American, Korean American, but that doesn't stop us from unifying and standing up. You know, like Will said, if a Filipino actor. Does well, a Filipino American actor. We're gonna celebrate that, you know. If a Japanese American gets like into a movie, we celebrate that because we stand up for each other. That's our greater community. Of course, we have smaller ones, but that's what the movement is about: is unifying them. Yeah. That reminds me. There's a UCSD professor, Espiritu. She wrote this book called the uh, Pan Ethnic, or no, the Pan Asian American Movement. And uh, I don't know if that's the exact title, but she talks about how even across the board, even though we are of different um, backgrounds, Japanese, you know, Japanese, Korean, Chinese, Vietnamese, Filipino, um, all the different Taiwan, all all these different Asians. uh, However, we are lumped together in a sense by Mm -hmm. the american society let's just say the white white supreme you know a white dominant society in america we're all lumped together so in a sense a lot of experiences that i've talked to other filipino americans uh korean americans japanese americans which i am not i'm taiwanese american when i talk to to them it, i do come across oh damn you, you came across that too oh you met a you met a chick that wasn't really into asian guys too or you met someone that called you a chink or a gook that there is there is those that shared experience and so those are more like you know more macro aggressions but even microaggressions like oh you oh you know like oh oh you oh you eat that that's interesting you know stuff you know there's like micro stuff or yeah um oh where are you from that kind of stuff so i do think there is a space for all asians to share but also, like, I, I think I agree. I totally agree in saying, like, you can also shel- celebrate the diversity within that community. Like, like you know, like, you know, Koreans have some, like, really awesome, you know, stuff in their in their culture, Japanese as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. With, so, with that, I mean, if you celebrate uh, any Asian Americans uh, getting representation in film and, and the media, that's great. Mm-hmm. But what do you have thoughts about, about when a movie, like, um, like uh, mem- I don't, I don't know. This might uh, be before your time, but Memoirs of a Geisha, <laughs> Memoirs of a Geisha was like this big deal back in the mid two thousands about the Japanese culture. But they casted a bunch of people who were not Japanese, but they were Asian. They were Chinese. I think uh, mm-hmm. uh, Zhang Ziyi was probably in it. I, I don't even remember anymore. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. do you think that that's that's okay, or do you think? If there is like a, a cultural specific type of um, movie or story that they should actually cast from that culture, 
or if it's is it just okay for like all Asian Americans as long as you're Asian American and it's not whitewashed that it should be fine because so this is a Japanese American movie or Japanese it, culture Japanese culture movie it was those mm. memoirs of a geisha back in Imperial Japan where they're talking about um, the geisha culture the geisha mm. and how one girl is like uh, coming up in the ranks mm. if you well, I'm gonna be honest I think a lot of the well my friends and I, we don't really get the chance to differentiate. Like, like one of my friends says, you know, like Korean, Japanese, or Chinese. Yes, we're different. But if you go outside of our communities, does anybody see you differently? And that's what we need to fix, yeah? And as Asian Americans, we're more similar to each other than, like, I'm more similar to a Japanese American than someone from China. So I don't know if we have the say in that because Japanese culture is very different from Japanese American culture from what I from what I see and I can commentate on like the culture that we share in which is this American Asian American blending uh-huh but in terms of that the Japanese culture personally I think it's it's okay but I understand why a Japanese person would disagree with that or but again something more recent is probably like fresh off the boat where Randall Park, he's totally Korean-American, but he's mm-hmm. playing a Chinese person. And he, I, I think he's doing the accent. I don't even remember. I think I watched it pilot ages ago. I couldn't watch yeah. it because... He does mis- an that, accent, yeah, yeah. That story is, is pandering towards middle America of what mm-hmm. they would perceive as Asians and Asian-American experience as first-generation and second-generation Ameri- Asian-Americans. So yeah, it, I, I understand that we have so few opportunities in regular media and mm-hmm. that we should definitely celebrate whenever we have those opportunities and they actually do at least cast as much as they can within the Asian American race or Asian American society but at the same time um, there were other people I would hope that could have mm-hmm. filled that bill of being the Chinese dad within the yeah. so I I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I and I I see both sides. I I that kind of sounds stupid, but both sides things. Um, <laughs> at the same time, I mean, are we okay with just trying to get the foot in the door? And this is a stepping stone to something further along. And then where we once everyone understands that Asian Americans have to be represented in, represented in the media, and then we go, okay, there are more than just Asian Americans as a as a block, there is the Chinese American experience, there's an Indian American experience, there's Japanese American experience, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, Daniel, I, I totally agree with you. I know what you're talking about. And honestly, I had the same thoughts to fresh off the boat. I did feel like it was pandering for middle America. And I can tell you right now, like from ever since, you know, like growing up, what, what would mean so much more to us than just getting a specific Asian American experience, which is ov- often just catered towards middle America, what would help us so much more is seeing Asians out of this like bubble, like more in popular media, you know, superhero movies. Like why can't, why can't an Asian American be just like right next to all the other Americans? You know what I'm saying? It shouldn't just be in the Asian American TV show, like seeing them on in a superhero movie or in a detective movie and not just as side characters who are stereotypically quiet or nerdy, you know, because that's not accurate at the end of the day. There is so much more to Asian American contribution 
to American society as a whole, that it doesn't make sense just to make these pandering shows which focus on a specific kind of bubble. Right. And I I can, uh, as far as like the superhero thing, that's probably because most of the superheroes were created in the 60s and 70s that we're we're (laughs) seeing on screen. So that's like Mm -hmm. a a snapshot of American culture back then and how they viewed Chinese people and Asians in general. I mean, that's why we get things like Shang-Chi and, and whatever, and he looks kind of, the whole background's all messed up, and then you get the Mandarin with the Ten Rings. Anyways, divert, uh, tangent there. So, yeah, I totally, I get that. So, I uh, hope Shang-Chi's good. <laughs> yeah, cross your fingers. <laughs> cross your fingers. They fin- they're, I think they're in post-production now or something, so yeah, yeah. yeah. They should be in um, post-production. Um, I think what what strike brings up as a good point something i've thought about is let's take a look at 88 rising right 88 rising is a uh asian focused music label based uh in la but uh sean miyashiro he's actually from san jose he's he's around my age um and he started doing events in san jose and eventually like went into uh uh, uh, into mu- throwing music shows and then eventually becoming a, a manager to artists. A lot of their artists, their their main artists are not American at all, even though they, they yeah. rap or sing in English. So we've got Joji, who's Australian Japanese, but he grew up in Japan. And then we have Rich Brian, who's Indonesian, and he's completely into Indonesian. He he never grew up in America. Uh, he came yeah. to America when he was like what, seventeen, eighteen, or something, uh, to just a couple years ago, because he's like only twenty one now, um, and he learned English on YouTube, and you know that kind of goes back to the idea of growing up with the internet, like how it's crazy that you you can just learn everything off the internet now, um, for for better or worse, but um, in, in his case, probably for the better. Uh, so. Yeah, so those are the main one lineups. Oh, there's Nikki, who's also Indonesian, and they sing in English. But like, I'm trying to think of Asian, like big breakout Asian American artists on their label, and I'm I'm trying to think. There's just, there's Jonathan Park, who's uh, known as Dumbfounded, but yeah, he yeah. he's from an earlier gener. He's he's more my generation, and he's 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 focusing. He's still putting out music for sure, but I think uh, I think. I, they're not promoting him. I think for him, he's become more of like a host slash entertainer. Uh, he's been doing some work for 88 Rising, but as far as being like a headlining music act um, or, you know, influencer or whatever, it seems it's more focused on the Asian from Asia artists. Like, are you seeing yeah. that trend too? Like, it seems that the Asians, they seem to be doing well in American uh, mainstream, like BTS, K-pop, like straight out of Korea, not but then Korean Americans, who we got? We got Steven Yun, uh, Steven Yun, and uh, I guess uh, Randall Park, Ken Jung, but John Cho, uh, John Cho, yeah, yeah, Daniel but Day I'm Kim, to, yeah, there's Daniel Day Kim. So Asian American artists, there's some, there's some, but I don't think they're as big of an influence as like. Dude, like you know, Joji puts out a music video. It's like 40, 44 million views. You know, or definitely. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. are you seeing that kind of bias in America at all? Is that kind of what you you're bringing up this divide, or or you think it's a good thing yeah. to have Asians of from Asia too? I, I don't know. I'm trying to get your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you definitely. What you were touching on, like dumbfounded, right? And like people like dumbfounded and China Mac, 
Yeah, China Max Chinese American. Different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're from again a previous generation, but they're the closest that we have to these Asian American representation figures, and I I do think it's a problem that there's so we don't have enough. That's just how it is, as Will said, and that's really the the core of the movement, both in both for our Asian American movement for the youth and also for my music. And what I, I like to, what I try to fight for at the end of the day is really having these people to look up to. Because growing up as a kid, I didn't have people to look up to. And I'm speaking for myself and my friends when I say that BTS is cool. Yeah, people listen to a lot of the music, but I don't think they're exactly role models. The vacuum is still there. Like, they, we can't relate to them. Yeah. You know. They grew up in Korea. You know, like, you didn't grow yeah. up in Korea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and hmm, Especially, ahead. like, Asian masculinity. Seeing China Mac in, on, in person in San Francisco was transforming for us in that way because that was what we've been searching for and didn't realize that we were missing until then. And that was really a major turning point where we said, hey... We need to start making the youth realize this. And because it's not going to get better, this vacuum left, until we start acting and realizing it, you know? I think let's, yeah, let's talk about this, uh, They Can't Burn Us All in China Mac. So you mentioned Will before, William. Yeah. William Ham's an actor, um, but he's, he's become an, act, an activist. He started out doing uh, Asians for Black Lives Matter movement during the george floyd protests earlier this year um now he he and china mac they teamed up and basically after um this late this old grandma i believe Mm -hmm. in her 80s got burned in brooklyn like they they set this old you know cantonese speaking woman on fire it's fucked up it's so fucked up it's like they so these two teenagers like lit up the back of her shirt luckily she was able to like put out the fire quickly she felt the sharp pain they slapped her first then they lit her on fire and then she rushed over and and put put it out on a light pole so luckily she came out of it fairly okay but still traumatized right yeah and um you know william was talking about at the rally in la which i attended um the one the right before san francisco he mentioned how her family was inspired by the George Floyd and Black Lives Matter movement to actually like speak up because you know like even for me like when I, I've come across some um, racist stuff in the past few months at myself have I reported it? I mean, you know, even I I'm like is it that big of a deal? But like I'm really glad that they like that for sure needs to be reported. That's a physical that's physical violence and because they reported that. China Mac got wind of it and he's like what the hell is going on like we like why are not people people are rioting in the streets for George Floyd being murdered how come people are not are not rioting or or not like coming out to support this old grandma getting slapped and burned you know so so when he started doing that movement in the the New York it really picked up steam people were really connecting to it and then he came out to the uh he, he was doing rally him and Will we're doing rallies uh, in, in L.A., as I said, and then eventually in San Francisco. So, yes, yeah, for me personally, seeing like China Mac talking about basically it's like it's it's like it's Asian empowerment, 
you know, but it's not at the expense yeah. of other movements. Like he's he's all for Black Lives Matter. He was out there, you know, rallying for the Black Lives Matter movement. So it's not saying Asians above others. It's more like, look, there's some fucked up shit happening to our community. We need to talk about. It. We need to we need to stand up and fight against it. Yeah. So I think that's that's the message that really spoke to me. I had known about him before from like his interview. He did this inter- he did this talk with Jin. It was like one of the most like I think uh so so Dan, if you don't know China Mac, basically he was in jail for ten years for for um uh for shooting at one of Jin's friends in a club. Right? Because he was running with some, you know, bad company at the time, a long time ago. And uh, basically, he was put in jail. He was in, in and out of jail before that too. But eventually, when he got out, he's like, you know what? I want to make a plan for myself and not go back in. Um, so he comes from a rough background. And what what's interesting is that you know, you no, know, James, yeah, the yeah, like you said, the Asian American movement, the Day Camp Burnout movement, is not about putting Asian culture and Asian peoples above others. It's about Asian Americans being for themselves and for other people. It's for integrating Asian American groups more closely into the popular media and politics and like just fighting for ourselves and fighting with others. Hmm. Yeah. So so what I wanted to connect so that's kind of the background of they can't burn us all. So I'm I'm kinda of interested in like why do you feel like that versus like all the other stuff, like crazy rich Asians, fresh off the boat or uh, even Aquafina or like all these other artists or other things before um, China Mac, why do you feel like what makes what makes this particular movement, uh, China Mac as an artist as well, different than maybe some of the Asian and Asian American stuff you saw before? Well, as an Asian American male, especially, you realize that the They Can't Burn Us All movement, first and foremost, is protecting Asian American communities and also redefining Asian masculinity at least uh, that's what we're trying to aim for because too too long has it been this nerdy, quiet, oppressed, and submissive stereotype. And the They Can't Burn Us All movement is different in that it's not just catering anymore. I, I mean, personally, I like Crazy Rich Asians and I think it definitely has a, wel- it has a welcome place in America. It's, it's a great movie. And it shows a great part of a specific kind of Asian, but They Can't Burn Us All is uniting all Asian Americans for a common cause and transforming transforming that because that's I feel like COVID revealed the hatred that was there COVID didn't create more it just it gave an outlet for people who previously held these notions I mean especially like growing up you know here you can you can definitely see that like there are stereotypes you quickly move out of your bubble you quickly see that People have assumptions about you that it's, it's leading to conflict, you know. That's just the fact. And we have to transform that. Hmm. So have you personally come across, like, racism yourself then? You, you mentioned, like, stepping outside of your bubble or... or uh, I mean, Fremont, for the most part, is pretty diverse area. A lot mm. of, uh, there's a... Um, a lot of South Asians now, also because of the like the tech, uh, you know, the Silicon Valley. Yeah. But yeah, since COVID started, like, or even so, pre-COVID and and during COVID, like, have you have you experienced anything personally as far as like racism or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, I have. I mean, 
we talked about this in the call before, but like sophomore year before, it's always been, I've always been aware of it. You know, I've had instances of racism, you know, getting called a chink, getting called a gook, but our, unfortunately our first instinct is to think it's not too bad. And the Day Camp Burn Us All movement is telling us, yeah, it is that bad because do you want to handle that kind of world to your kid? You know, it, it's not that bad, you can put up with it. That's not an excuse to handle the kind of world that hates the kid, your kid for who you are, if, for who they are, if you raise a kid in that kind of world. And that's like seeing, thinking that this isn't gonna get better if we don't do anything. And my relatives and my children will grow up in a world as conflicted and confusing as the one that I grew up in where they're like my friends and I, we didn't have that much to look up to, you know? What happens if someone causes a chink? I don't know. That was the first reaction when we were back then before the day camp or an assault movement. And it's all about transforming this world and hoping for better because we deserve everything now. You know what I'm saying? Equality, freedom from oppression and pain now. Yeah. I was wondering if you want to go back more into music because... <laughs> I, didn't I mean, let's to publicize this. Yeah, right. let, let's uh, let's connect back to your music. So, I mean, I've listened to your songs, and um, I think you're just talking about chicks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's yeah, Pablo? Yeah. Are you Pablo? What's uh, yeah, yeah? I mean, yeah. Do you have you don't have 99 problems, right? But um, you got 99 nights, yeah. So, so let's yeah, talk yeah. about your music, man. So, so what what inspires you? What influences you as as an artist, as a musician? I'm the kind of musician that I always make music for me at the end of the day. So as you notice, like I write for when the time I'm in, if I'm feeling like I just had, you know, just like an experience you want to share about, which is what 99 nights is, you know, the kind of music that you play when you're in the car, just winding down with your friends or like on the beach at nighttime. That's the kind of music I've been gearing towards recently. I have a pop album coming out soon called colors, which is it's, it's going to be, it's a surprise, yeah. Oh, yeah. And okay. I dabbled a lot of genres because growing up, I listened to a lot of music. You know, I grew up with R&B, hip-hop, pop. We would play jazz at dinner time whenever we ate. So being exposed to that gave me this, uh, it gave me inspiration to always try what I wanted to try. And it began, obviously, with, you know, kind of vile rap, like the, <laughs> the one that you're talking about. I'm just talking about chicks, right? And yeah, Pablo. yeah. But that was more experimentation, yeah. Recently, I've been, I've been gearing up a lot more and that my record label is also, we're working on, you know, really pumping quality music out there. The, the Grown Up, that album, was all about experimenting. And 99 Nights was just a proof that with my mixing, my production, songwriting, everything, recording all in my bedroom, that we can make something, f like, phenomenal. Yeah. What do your, so for like, what do your parents yeah, go think ahead, about uh, your, your musical aspirations? Yeah, my parents support it. That's good. And also, yeah, I've also always been aiming to be self-sufficient. Like, I try to, you know, have a job. I try to uh, invest my earnings in stocks and also, you know, always leave my avenues out there. Like, I'm not dropping school for my music. I'm still in school. I have plans for UCLA, these things. So that's where it's at. Wow, you're already investing in stocks? Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah, that's Dang. starting early. I wish I did that too. Actually, like I think I, I think around your age, I bought like one share of Marvel, 
and then it went up like a little bit. I'm like, oh my god! And I sold it. And I should have kept that shit, man. Like, be you know, because because eventually, what Marvel got bought by Disney, and then it got yeah, whatever. It's okay. That's tough. It's 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 like you don't know. You can't connect the dots going forward, right? That's what Steve Jobs says. It's fine. I'm yeah. I'm doing okay with my stocks right now, so I'm I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, um, quarantine, COVID, all that stuff. COVID, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So are, uh, are your parents musical too? I mean. My, I grew up, I heard no music on the radio until I was in like junior high and that was like through friends. But are your parents really into music of all kinds as well? Strike? Yeah, yeah. My my mom, I remember when I was a kid, the first time I was aware of like what a concert was was when my sister took my mom to a, I think it was a Linkin Park concert. Oh, nice. My, <laughs> yeah. My parents always been into music, especially my mom. And that was a big influence, you know being exposed to all kinds of music on the radio with the friends that I grew up with, you know, the older kids listen to all kinds of things. Yeah. I've been surrounded by music pretty much a lot of my life. That's That's dope, man. Uh, what was like your first, uh, when did you want to go from being like appreciating music to like, Oh, I want to make it like when, was there like a switch for you or is it gradual? Like, how was that for you? So, there's two answers to that. Like the first time I wanted to try making music versus the first time I genuinely like, like I believed in myself, you know, that was when I made 99 nights and all this gearing up. This is when like my recently, honestly, COVID and quarantine has given me the time to perfect my craft and give me a lot of confidence in my music. So that is, this is when I really take my music. Like it's more than just a hobby, you know, it's got potential. But when I first started making music was actually, this is also where my name comes from. In middle school, we had a, I've always been musical, you know, I would always do talent shows. I played rock guitar in sixth grade for my school talent show. And in middle school, we had to make a project, a song for Spanish. So I made a rap with my friends. And yeah, that's where Strike 3 comes from too, because my Spanish teacher, we used to give us strikes. And the joke was that, like if you did, like if you annoyed her, and the joke was the third strike would be the rap song. And that's what, uh, yeah, but she liked. Like, it. Yeah, yeah. Is that where like you're like you got? Yeah, you got a lot of Spanish influence, like Havana, La Bamba. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. Uh, that's good that you found a teacher that was like supportive of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pablo, is that is that a reference to to uh, to Kanye West or? Uh, it's an allusion to it, but it's mostly just from Pablo Escobar from Narcos TV uh, show. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay, okay. And like, what's real to you about what's that one? Oh, that was the first. I made that song in one night because I came back from a dance with. It was just with the girl, right? Yeah. And uh, I figured I would make something. Not to sound not not to be cheesy, but it was just like oh, super cheesy. Uh, <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah, cute. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, that it really reminds me kind of like, because um, I made like a, a, a small album back when I was 19, a little bit older than you now, but like, uh, yeah, and I think that's great. I think what's really important for me, uh, if I could go back, if I had to go back and say something to a younger self or, or even to like a younger person now would be it's like, yeah, I think keep creating. And because what's interesting is that these songs, these writings, these films, whatever you do, these videos, uh, they're kind of like 
really like beautiful time capsules of your life at that time. I was talking to another musician friend of mine. He's like, uh, he's he's younger too. He's about twenty twenty one, and yeah. um, he was like, basically, I was listening to some of his music. Like, hey, you know, what's this song about? And he could tell me like, you know, each each song like there's a whole story behind it. So like, it was kind of like codes. It was like, even though I as a listener don't understand what that lyric means, whatever, but for him, it's really. Uh, it, it draws on this personal memory and even though I yeah. don't fully understand it I feel it you know mm-hmm. I feel it over that motion yeah. behind it so like that's kind of what I get from your song there is like the kind of little bit of a longing a little bit of like um, in Chinese they say tou pi a little bit tou pi a little bit which mm-hmm. is kind of like you know um, what's it kind of uh, you know sarcastic flexing a little bit which is fun you know so yeah. I think there's a little bit of that um um, yeah, so I would say like, yeah, you should keep creating it because what happens is that at every stage of your life, if you're still making some stuff or, or doing whatever, you can go look back and you're like, oh, it's kind of like a time machine. You you can go back, you listen to that song that you made when you were like, you know, you know, it, you're hurting on a girl, or whatever. And yeah. It, yeah. So I think it's pretty obvious that uh, that Pablo and 99 Nights have very different very different vibes. Like you said, a uh, Tofi, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Pablo, yeah. If you can tell, recently my music's been more, 99 Nights has been a lot about reflecting on like, it's been 99 Nights since, it's obviously more than that, but it was just looking back on, before we really started, I really started getting into music and I got a great team behind me, you know, my, my label. Uh, yeah. Shout out to everybody. Shout out to yeah. Alex, shout out to Ariel, shout out to Jack, yeah. You want to talk about SIR? Like, yeah, well, well let's who, 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 what's this label? And you want you shout them out? Uh, tell, 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 tell our listeners what your what, what your label's about. Yeah, our label's all about you know, it's this generation, Gen Asian, and just making music that people vibe to. You know, like empowering. It's we can do it, and we can do it differently, and we can do it right. 99 Nights was all a, was just a nod to that because 99 Nights, you know, since have passed since we said we're going to set out on this and we're going to promote our music. We're going to, you know, give our time to this and give our energy. Like you said, capsules of time. And uh, mm. yeah, SIR, Strike It Rich. It's all about striking it rich, you know, on that grind, being <laughs> on that grind. Yeah. Because uh, looking at your website, uh, 3over3.uniweb.com, so it's interesting because you you mentioned the Japanese uh, wood blocks, yukio mm-hmm. it, yukio it, um, yeah, uh, like floating world. Um, it, what what? That's really interesting. That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty like cool illusion, cultural illusion. So can yeah. you explain that a little bit for like like so? What are some of the goals that you want to do as as an artist, and, and like how does that connect to like this idea of blending realities or like this woodblock culture that you mentioned, uh, the, the Japanese woodblocks? Yeah. We want to provide a music. So ukiyo-ye is ukiyo-ye. I don't speak Japanese, but fushuhui. It's yeah. all about yeah. It's all about <laughs> transcending reality, you know. And in a way, that's what our music does. We transcend barriers to touch people, and and move things, you know. And that's what. It's like this escaping, almost our music is like escaping reality to get like, it's the moment, the moment you're on the beach side or the moment like you're in a car ride with friends and just like spending your time doing nothing and having a good time. That's what we want people to relate over. And of course, we also branch out into like activism through art 
and things like that. But yeah, that's a that's why the illusions pretty spot on. That's I think it summarizes our music pretty well. That's dope, man. Yeah. Dan, did you have did you have any thoughts or where do you get most of your inspirations for the your songs? My inspirations for my songs come from, like I said before, my life. Um, yeah, just uh, obviously at the time, at the moment, I'm still pretty young. It's just from my experiences that what I have to say, good and bad, fun and struggle, all into these, all into this music. Yeah. Are you looking to add like um, kind of like what we were talking about earlier in the podcast? Are you looking to maybe add a little bit of? maybe ethnic identity or ethnic awakening into your music or do you prefer or you'll see where it goes you or do you prefer to talk about whatever's in your life like you know girls you know or, or um um yeah I, I i'm curious to see like are you looking to blend some of that as well yeah yeah it all comes naturally that's the best way to put it it's a yeah and to be honest the ethnic awakening I feel like it both transcends and does not transcend my art at the same time because it influences how I look at the world and it influences how I look at my music and how I look at my experiences in life. But at the same time, my music is also very relatable to people, not just Asian American descent, but Bay Area culture, you know, American culture. I think most English speaking kids of my generation can relate to that, you know, 99 nights out trying to trying this new thing that you don't know is going to work or not but you're out there and that's what counts to you and having fun you know little things like girls all the not, not little things like girls, little things like relationships <laughs> <laughs> all the way to to big things like where are we going to go why are we you know what are we here for it's all the way right right yeah yeah i think um it's it's really interesting because I think you're our long, youngest uh, podcast guest, so I think it's actually it's kind of inspiring to hear how aware you are um, as far as you know uh, your like the world, the state of the world, also how aware you are of yeah race relations. I think it took me a little bit longer to really like kind of see that huh? Why is there the stratification in America? Where does that come from? I think that's mm. what's great about the time that we live in now is that there is more um, uh, exchange of information at a faster rate because of like the internet, Instagram, TikTok, all that. Mm. Uh, and but, but at the same time, I do wonder if like, hmm, I wonder if if we're also being a little bit more alienated too, like especially now with COVID. I think there's a lot of loneliness too that's happening, especially. We we can we have we have more ways to connect now than ever, like with Skype now and, and Zoom. But at the same time, I wonder if like, do you, as far as your generation, do you feel like you're more connected to the people around you, or do you feel a little more disconnected? Or um, I guess it's hard for you to compare, right? I guess maybe you have an older sister, right? Like, are you seeing mm-hmm. any sort of like gap between you how you interact with people and, and how you see old other like older people interact with people yeah pretty much every musician or artist i know if my age has quit social media for a certain amount of time they'll drop instagram for like two weeks to a month or three months or four months depending on all all about what they need because i think you make up a good point because we are very connected and i definitely have more 
opportunity than I than my sister did. But at the same time, we also have a lot more distractions. You know, we could we can spend one we're one click away from making the right connection with the musician, the producer, the, pr- the promoter, the DJ that we got to know. But we're also one click away from like toxicity, false goals, lies. You know, <laughs> this this culture that that glorifies some things that like shouldn't be glorified. Mm, like for your like for your mental like for your mental state like what do you do personally personally i was lucky enough because i grew up with kids older than me and this is the difference between a lot of the kids in my generation i think a lot of struggles also within families is that you you look to your parents for help with like life in general like naturally but the fact is that a lot of parents don't know how to help with the social media and how to do it like at a healthy amount but the fact, but being raised sort of honestly by older kids for until elementary school gave me a different perspective on social media and even like race relations, you know, getting to like to be people around people older than me, like you, like you guys, obviously a little bit older than that. But it just having that was helpful because guiding you through social media, it, it's a lot harder than than I think we like to admit. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, for me personally, sometimes I'll catch myself like lost on it for like, oh shoot, thirty minutes have already passed, an hour has already passed, and I'm like, do I feel better about myself? <laughs> did I really? Did I really gain anything? Maybe a little bit. Some of it was entertaining, but um, yeah, sometimes I do feel a little empty after like a, a long social media set- setting. But yeah, Dan, do you have anything to add to that? Because you you've got kids that are. are even younger than uh, Strike here, so like, is that something you worry about too? I mean, yeah. In the future, social media managing that aspect of it is going to be tough, but we'll see. I mean, things might in the in the next four or five years, things might swing to a different state. You know, progress away from Facebook and away from, and more towards something else. Who knows? That's hard to say. But I was curious, Strike, where. I, I mean, for me, I've talked to James about this before, but growing up, there weren't that many um, people uh, that I would look up to that were Chinese or Chinese-American. And it wasn't until like watching Kung Fu and um, Bruce Lee movies and Jet Li movies and all those things that I was like, oh, you know, Kung Fu is like the cool thing from China. Is there something that within that in your generation that you can think of that you guys look up to look towards mm, that's mm. yeah would it be china mac or it'd be somebody else that you go oh you know what that that's actually really damn cool that you know, they're asian american so am i you know, that's that's something that i can hold up as as something that I can point to to other other people from other cultures and say, you know, that's that's what we got. Yeah, I, we do. That we're we're one click away from a lot of that. Yeah, because personally, I always had like what I looked up to were really figures like J Cole, Kanye West, and songs like there's a really good song related to my younger self, and that song is all about like growing up in this era. I think more than anything. I looked up to music mm-hmm. and my role models were found in music ever since I was a kid. Yeah. Is there a certain song that goes, 
you know what? That's yep. That's like your go-to song every time I I feel like a little uninspired or or down. I was like, I listen to that song and I'm I'm like re- ready to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, totally. Like No Role Models by J Cole and A Letter to My Younger Self by Quinn. Also Power by Kanye West. Power by Kanye West is all about this. This also goes back to They Can't Burn Us All. It's about like, well, it's my interpretation of it. Is taking power like it doesn't matter if you're in a if you're in a culture that despises you sometimes and tries to break you down because there's beauty in the struggle and there's also sometimes ugliness in the success and that kind of awareness really gave us me something to look up to, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Kanye West he really epitomizes like <laughs> there 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 is some ugliness to the fame. It seems. I mean, he's crazy now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, did you hear? He was on Joe Rogan not too long ago, and uh, I think I, I get an idea of where he's coming from. I think he does have some bipolar tendencies, you know, but he's also really smart. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's another pot. That's another discussion. But um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're we're running. We're coming up to about an hour now. Um, anything Anything else you want to talk about before maybe, maybe we start heading towards the the last section? Yeah. The last section. Uh, let me uh, see. We'll probably do like a language corner at the end. Um, you know, maybe uh, I, I'll have to think of something, but like <laughs> a certain phrase, <laughs> a certain phrase from like Chinese or, or whatever language you, that you speak, Spanish, whatever that you want to share. But before we get to the language corner, um, here, let me take a look at the, my notes here. But yeah, I think uh, I think basically we covered a lot already about. Um, I think one thing I'm kind of curious about your music is that um, as far as it seems that you are progressing, is it, what where it sounds like you're you're looking for your artistic expression to expand across music, activism. Are you looking to do more video too, film stuff like that, or well, what's next for you for Strike? Yeah, what's next for Strike and also Strike Rich Records as a whole? It's Branching out, like you said, activism isn't just a one-way street, you know, like activism also influences us to make better music, I think, because activism at the end of the day is empowering us, you know, and that's, it's inspiring. It makes you make better music, in my opinion. Fighting for something makes you more aware of the world and it makes you better able to express what you want to say to it. So yeah, Strike, Strike 3 and Strike Rich Records the music coming coming from us is going to be broader, deeper, but also more enjoyable. What yeah. kind of sound are you looking for? Because it's yeah, you coming from like the uh, you know for for growing up, that was a little bit more um, I would say, kind of like you know rap with like you know talking about you know uh, sex stuff like that. Yeah. Sorry if you're sorry if you're Mr. And Mrs. Huang. I sorry to add your son out, but like yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, what we're aiming towards is more. Yeah, I think it's catering the spirit, the spirit of like this generation. You know, the, the ups and downs of growing up here and like having fun, having a light, having a light heart, but having like being heavy too at the same time. Because you, you play all the guitar, you do all the instruments on on these these tracks, or do you have a crew that you, you that works with you? Most of the songs, it's uh, all recorded by me and, and written wow. by me. Wow. Yeah. But, That's uh, dope, man. The new album, we got some, we got some guitar solos and features. So Nice. Yeah. yeah. No, that's impressive, man. Especially at, at such a, while you're balancing school and life as a teenager, I think that's really impressive what you're doing. 
Um, but yeah, cool. Yeah. Dan, any last questions? No. Cool. Um, yeah. La- one one last question. I would probably like how how is. And I think this is a broader question of like U.S. American society at large is like how's high school been for you pre and post COVID? I know pre COVID, like, dude, there were still like um, some scares about like mass shootings and stuff like that. Now that we're in post COVID, there hasn't been a mass shooting, you know, thank goodness. Um, but there's other things like um, I don't know, like yeah, Zoom calls, alienation. I don't know if there's is there still is there still cyberbullying that you've come across as a high schooler. I mean, that's any age, but yeah. like yeah, I'm I gotta say to, yeah. from from the the less commute time to more time to spend with, on my craft and with you know people that uh, yeah, good company. I mean, over like we can still communicate. You know, I, I like to think that <laughs> for me and my friends, COVID's been it's been pretty good. Oh, good. Yeah. So you were able to pivot and and use use this kind of paradigm shift, whatever the new normal, whatever they call it. Yeah. uh, And kind of like, you know, I guess there's a term. I guess this could be my language corner. It's like to thrive in calamity. I got to look it up. Yeah, because quarantine shows you how to do things. You can do things without things being how they are. Like from mm. the They Can't Burn Us All movement to... Uh, the new direction that our label is taking in, incorporating more people yeah, from, you know, our label too, and get into things like, yeah, like you said, you know, quarantine is thriving calamity. One of the people that I follow, he's the old president of Music Production Club in our school. I'm the president now, but he he posted this saying, you want to be the, the guy that sets up, you know, the music festival that makes the song that that makes the hit song that puts these things out that people had no idea could come out during quarantine mm. that's the kind of spirit that we've been drawing on yeah and this label is like is this something that you pulled together yourself or you had a, a, a sounds like you, um your friend that was the former president of the music production i pulled club. it together myself but i couldn't do it without the talented the talented artists and videographers at the label yeah, the label's mostly kids my age, you know, junior year. It's all, we're all the same age. We all know each other. And the music videos we have planned, the covers for my songs, I couldn't do it without them, you know? Yeah. They're talented. Right. They're talented artists, photographers. Yeah. Cool, man. I'm really excited to see what you all come up with. I think that it's really it's really refreshing to see what, what um, each generation is putting out there. I still, I, even at my age, I still want to be creative and I have things that I want to say. But it's always great to see how people at different stages of their life, at different ages, what, they, what they're saying. And, and it really inspires me as a, as a personally as an artist too. So, hey, yeah, man, man, keep it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you too. Yeah, so Dan, anything else? Mm, I don't think so, not at this time. Okay. So, yeah, f- yeah, we'll go to language corner. Yay. So... <laughs> So strike. Um, I'm gonna share. You, you know, uh, if you have anything, I don't. Do you speak Mandarin or what? What languages do you speak? Just English. I speak Mandarin, Chinese, and French and English. Oh, you speak some French. Yeah. Oh, I'm nice. Russian learn- too. Oh, uh, oh where'd you learn that? A friend from school and Russian because I grew up with with Russian American friends. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, um, so one phrase I may have shared it before is "sheng yu you huan, shi yu an le." So "sheng yu you huan," 
basically means to thrive in calamity, or Sung mm-hmm. uh, means to like thrive. Yo Huan uh, means like bad, bad stuff, like calamity. And Siyu Anle, Siyu Anle means like to like uh, die in comfort or perishing soft living. Um, I just looked this up to uh, just to remind myself, but like uh, from Yabla dot com. But anyways. Uh, this is a phrase that I that I felt feels really speaks to kind of like how I think what I've been doing now during the quarantine is I've been trying different diets, you know, to I have psoriasis, which is a skin autoimmune disease. And I've been trying different diets. And also, I've tried some fasting here and there, you know, doing like short term fasting to see how my body responds. And it's been really interesting to see, like, now I have a lot more confidence in like, uh what i put like in controlling i feel like i have more control of what i want to put into my body and how i also exercise my body i've actually got i think pretty much more fit during the quarantine i know some people have put on the quarantine uh, pounds you know that's what they call it but i've actually found some uh you know ways to be you know productive I, i i should be i feel like i should be writing more but at the same time i'm discovering other ways of being of of uh, other things about myself that I find interesting during uh, the quarantine. So that's why I, I, like, I like this phrase, the other part is like something that David Cho mentions is like comfort kills, right? I mm-hmm. think if, if a person's too comfortable and just too relaxed in their settings, that's fine. I think there's, there's a place for that. But if someone wants to continue to create, I think it's important to like, kind of like look to see, to really like, kind of like when Buddha... Buddha came from a very comfortable living background. He came from a rich family. And then yeah. when, he, when he jumped the gate and he's like, damn, hella people are suffering. He realized, hey, man, there's, there's, there's suffering in this world. I want to help solve it. And I think something about that, for me at least, that's how I kind of interpret that second part. Um, if I've already used this phrase before, I have one more. Hold on. What is it? Oh. <laughs> Has anyone heard this before? No. Yeah. No. 量子纠缠, so it means quantum quantum entanglement. <laughs> so it's kind of like uh, there's this there's this uh, quantum physics uh, theory where like let's say something no matter how far two particles are, if something affects a particle like it spins it one way, millions of miles away the particle another particle will spin the same way. So it, it basically these you can call these particles quantum entangled. So I saw this on a YouTube video when the, this guy was asking these twins like the same question and they were answering the same answer. Like, oh, what kind of uh, horoscope do you like? Oh, what, Leo? What? And you like Leo? Yeah, so, um, but it, it's an interesting theory. I, I, I just like, damn, Chinese has a word for that too. Um, anyways, that's my long-winded... Uh, anyways, entanglement's kind of cool because um, it, it does talk about how like Maybe how things are connected, even though they could be so far apart. It's it's a really interesting idea. Yeah. Anyways, Dan or uh, Strike, do you have anything you want to add on cultural additions? I like the first quote you said a lot. Yeah, comfort kills. You know, that's yeah. what. Um, I've, yeah, that's what my that's pretty much what my parents tell me too, and that's why every day I try to do something that makes me uncomfortable. Like even like this, getting out to my first podcast is getting out of my comfort zone, and I think there's something to be said in the fact that quarantine has kicked kicked my butt to really stop making excuses for myself like i've been working out every day i've been oh. lifting i've been doing yeah i've, I've built a pull-up bar um really 
And building that, just working out, also makes me realize that like how much self-respect we don't give to ourselves. And, mm. and that's what working out has really like made you, makes me like, yeah, a lot of self-respect, you know, and it's that. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. How many, how many pull-ups can you do? <laughs> I mean, good pull-ups. I say like about 20, 30, but I'm saying like good, slow. Yeah. What? 20, you can do 20 good pull-ups? Yes, sir. Me and my friend Brian have been working what? out every single day quarantine. Every single day. <laughs> hey, hey. Okay. That deserves a slow clap. Yes. <laughs> that slow clap. Um, my cousin probably does more of those. What? <laughs> yeah. How many does Big dude. I, I, I want to I see the four, because, like, dude, doing, like, really strict, nice pull-ups, it's tough for anyone. Like, yeah. Yeah. Your lats, so, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're doing push-ups and, and like, you, you do, you're not skipping leg day, are you? <laughs> well, like, as a track kid, you can't really skip leg day. <laughs> yeah, you can't skip leg day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's dope, man. How many push-ups can you do right now, or... I've been trying to do the 100 push-ups a day challenge, but the really? problem is what? that yeah, but the problem is that it, it hurts your gains. You know, if you do it every day, you can't you can't do it consistently. 100 push-ups a day, really good form. So I try to do it every other day now. Yeah. Interesting, Dan. What do you think about that? Do you do 100? Dan- I'm curious about that one. Do you do 100 straight, or did you do like a set of 50 and then another set of 50? You break it up into 20s or 50s, and 20s you can do so you can do chest. You can do chest push-ups. You can do shoulder tap push-ups. You know, you switch the, you switch each type of push-ups so you target every upper body muscle. But you can also just do 50-50 normal push-ups. Okay, I was curious uh, about that. Cause Dan, you do the diamond thing, right? Where you um, I do uh, diamond, I, then you go wider, then you go wider. Yeah. The twenty-one-seven. I don't do that uh, as often as I used to. I mean, when I was in college, I used to do that every day, but I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Can you explain to our listeners or viewers what what twenty one seven? Yeah, is? twenty one seven is um you do a set of twenty one and I do wide push ups, and then I move my um my arm uh, hands to like a regular standard size or a standard width push ups, and you do twenty of those, and then the next one would be nineteen of the diamond, which is like, uh, the in close ones. So your fingers are your index finger and oh, your like, thumb are touching. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you must have a big chest then. Yeah, that's uh, I, cool. I'm gonna try that. No, I, I don't. <laughs> that's the thing. I used to do this. I used to do sit ups and push ups all the freaking time, and uh, I I couldn't gain weight, and I I didn't like get ripped or like. It's just my body type. I don't know. And also, my diet was garbage in college. My go- my my college diet was garbage. You gotta yeah yeah maybe give it give uh you can try some of these diets out maybe uh keto or <laughs> or vegan or i don't know i yeah, mean yeah, yeah. if i do that that means my whole family has to do it and i doubt my whole family would do it uh, they might you might be you maybe uh, i know my kids yeah. <laughs> my you know kids your kids are are <laughs> there's no way i mean uh dan did you, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. five and seven almost uh, eight and six. Oh yeah you probably couldn't convince them to do keto no way <laughs> <laughs> yeah they love their cookies right yeah yeah um, and one thing is like for all the diet stuff uh, remember everyone listen to your body uh, because each person reacts differently to each kind of like food you know that's something I saw like in the TED talk and I, I believe that I think I know it's like some people they get yeah like you said Dan some people they can they just don't get they'll eat whatever but they don't they still it might be their body type or whatever but um, 
they people react differently. Like some people, they eat like one cookie and they'll like yeah get bloated or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Dan. Any last uh, cultural things? Did did we pronounce that right? Uh, the yukio yukio is that how you pronounce it? I, I Dan look, speaks Japanese. Yeah, I was looking at yeah. that. I I couldn't. I wasn't quite sure. Um, that's not something that comes up in regular conversations with my mom. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's not one of those things that I can uh, verify. The idea is there. Yeah. The pronunciation might be wrong, but the idea is yeah. there. Yeah. Yukio-e. Uh, yeah. Uh. I think it's ukio, right? Because it's... U- u- oh, yeah. U- Ukio-e. Ukio-e. Yeah. I'm trying to learn some Japanese myself, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan, cool. you, yeah, yeah, Dan, any, any Japanese knowledge you want to drop on us, or uh, or any other language? Uh, zangyo, zangyo means overtime. <laughs> the Japanese culture, they work really hard, so there's lots of overtime. Zangyo, okay. Zangyo. Can you use that for like? I'm just looking at your background. Can you use that for like uh, playoff games too? Like they're in overtime. No, I mean Japanese. Is, you know how, like in English, we say "president" for the president of the company and "president of the, the United States." Two different words. One is "shacho," is the CEO of a company or the president of the company, and "daitorio" is the one a president of the United States or president of a country. Ah, uh, I mean, in a way, it makes sense. Like, it's two diff- completely different positions, but I guess you have to memorize more words, though. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so. Oh, hey, Strike, do you know any Russian stuff? I'm kind of curious to hear what you, what your Russian friends taught you. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of slang. Uh, any yeah. Russian listeners right now? Whoa. Yeah. It sounds like your pronunciation is really good. It's, it's all right. You can ask my friend Bernie about that. Can you share what you said, or is that like a secret for our Russian listeners? I just said I was... My Russian's not bad. I understand a little bit, you know. Not enough <laughs> to say idioms. Mostly like slang and stuff. What What did you just say? Or or is that a secret? Uh, it's not a secret. I just said uh, Russian's not that good yet. Yeah. I think that divide means like good or something in Russian. But yeah. all right, strike. Uh, let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, thank you for speaking with us. Um, I can't wait to see what you come out with and let yeah check out uh, strike three over three dot u e n i web dot com. You can check out his label there. You can also check out his Instagram at it's the uh, wait sorry it's the third strike yes, on sir. Instagram. Check out, and he's got a single out now called 99 Nights. Um, If it's cool with you, I'm going to play it. uh, I'll edit it into the end of uh, of this podcast. Is that cool? Yeah, it's cool. Cool, cool. All right. Thank you, listeners. We'll catch you on the next one. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Peace. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. 99 nights, never ask for no forgiveness. 99 nights, like I'm stuck in intermission. 99 nights, 99 nights. Bitch, I need a break, so I'm starting that ignition Down in Cory Lake, then we cruising up to Mission Turning the other way, hurts the donuts worth a visit I move around the country like I'm preaching my religion Amen